Hello, Singaplan. My name is Michael Gralia, and today is Monday, February 13th. This is episode 93 of Singap 10, your 10-minute weekly briefing on everything you need to know about Singap 1. If you remember episode 92, I was in a hotel room because I was at a meeting uh, working on advocating for Singap 1. I want to tell you a bit more about that meeting and what happened after I, after I shared that episode. I was at a meeting for a company called Beacon Biosignals. Beacon is a company dedicated to working on better understanding of EEGs. And a very smart person recently told me when we said, well, what are we going to measure in trials? They said the first thing they're thinking about is outcomes. The second thing they're thinking about is EEGs. The third thing they're thinking about is, is blood-based biomarkers. But they said, honestly, that's going to be tricky. And then the fourth thing they said was CSF. I'm not naming this person on purpose because I don't know if they're comfortable with me attributing this to them. But um, I tend to agree with that ranking, and, I'm, and I agree that EEGs rank very high up there. So this company, Beacon Biosignals, getting them to work on Syngap-1 would be a real win. And that's why I was in Florida to, to talk to their team and to tell them about Syngap and explain why I think it's such a good fit. More about that later. That's not my point. My point is, so, you know, I, I got to go to this wonderful meeting and meet the employees of Beacon, very, very good people. And um, at the end of one of the, their days of meetings, I had the chance to talk about Syngap 1. Vicky Artiaga came and joined me. We had a wonderful presentation. And what I found out after that presentation is, so if you can picture it, medium-sized room, 50, 60 people watching, me, Vicky, a couple of the other um, leadership of the company, just sitting in chairs at the front, kind of fireside chat style. And then next to the screen over on the side is just a little, you know, a little bar and company meeting. People have drinks. And people said, during my talk, so afterwards, I, when I'm debriefing, I get this story. During my talk, they went up to get a drink and they couldn't get a drink because the bartender was staring at me, fixated. And they said, as I kept talking, she kept coming out farther and farther and farther. And they just, there's no one there to give them a drink. It's pretty funny. And so I didn't, I didn't hear this till later. So after my talk, I go up to the bar and I'm like, white wine, please. And she looks at me and she says, I really liked your talk. And I said, oh, thank you. And she said, my son is seven. He has autism. He just started talking. He's on guanfacine. He la, 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 la. And I was like, whoa. And, and, and I could see, I don't want to make light of it because it was a very important conversation. I could see in her eyes that she had no one to talk to about this. She was desperate for understanding. And I had just given a talk about Tony's diagnostic journey and how I had gotten diagnosed and how we'd created SRF, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right. There's, there's 10 people behind me who want to drink and we got to talk about this. So let's keep talking and you, you do drinks. And I said to her, okay, you have an ASD diagnosis. She said, yeah, he's got an autism diagnosis. I said, has he had genetic testing? No, no one's going to give me genetic testing, insurance, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, number one, you got an autism diagnosis. You got to sign up for Spark. For Spark. It's run by Simon's Foundation. They're not quick, unfortunately. They take their time to get you results, but they will get you results. So go ahead and sign up for Spark. And I gave her the link. I'll put it in the show notes. And then I said, then I want you to take this survey, slash maybe. This is the probably genetic partnership we have. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, links in the show notes, go read it. But remember that link, slash maybe. I said, I want you to take that survey right now. And I want you to, um, <clears throat> you, you know, if, if your answers match, 
probably might be offered free testings. Might be a little faster than Simon's. I love Simon's, don't get me wrong. They're not quick with Spark. And um, and I gave him my number. I said, let's stay in touch. I want to understand what happens to your son. And I got to tell you, I give a lot of talks. And a lot of times people come up to me like, maybe my child has Syngap. And I'm like, yeah, not so much. But this time, when she was talking about the sleep and the low verbal and the behavior meds and the autism diagnosis and the staring spells, I was like, whoa, Heather could have a Syngapian child. And I want to remind you what I said two episodes in episode 91. It's important that we all start getting up and talking about our kids and talking about Syngap 1. We talk about our kids so our communities, our churches, our whatever, our companies understand what our kids are like and what um, our families are going through so that they can support our kids and support our families. This is why I did the Newsweek thing, right? Go listen to episode 91 if you don't know what I'm talking about. But in this case, I unwittingly also help someone get a little bit closer to a diagnosis because I can tell you from talking to Heather, and I'm not a doctor, but I've talked to a lot of parents with genetic diagnoses. This kid sounds like it could be probably genetic. And I really hope that Heather gets a diagnosis if that's possible. So that was that was kind of awesome. That was kind of awesome. And, and it reminded me, you know, you know, once I'm a big fan of Once Upon a Gene, best podcast in rare. You guys should subscribe. And um, the mom who runs Once Upon a Gene, Effie Parks, her child has um, CTNNB1. And, and Ford, um, the, the primary diagnosis there is cerebral palsy. So Effie does these, Effie is the queen of memes and the queen of quotes. And um, she put out a tweet and it said, roses are red, violets are blue. You gave a diagnosis of CP, but it's not really true. And then she's got this meme of, 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 of Oprah Winfrey being like, you get a genetic test and you get a genetic test and you get a genetic test. And I, I kind of felt, I was like, oh yeah, yeah. And I was sitting there with Heather. I'm like, you need a genetic test. It was kind of cool. Um, so I hope Heather gets testing and, and I'll keep you guys up to date on that. The next day at that meeting, I was sitting talking to someone pretty senior, um, but pretty new to the EEG space. And I was explaining how important it was that if Beacon could identify a biosignal, because we really need a biosignal out of EEG. We really need a way to look at an EEG for a kid and say, ah, this kid might have Syngap based on, you know, these spikes and waves and whatever. And I said to this person, and this is not only the right thing to do and Syngapians need it because of absence seizures, you've heard me give this talk before. But also for you as a company, if you can crack the code on Syngap, if you if you can um, get EEGs from a partner and analyze them and identify a biosignal, do you understand that you could do this for many other diseases? And the person said to me, and they're like, oh yes, the long tail of rare diseases. Because the, there's someone at one point said, oh yeah, there's a long tail of rare diseases, which kind of creates this idea that there's, there's a trickle of other little diseases out there. And I was like, no, 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 no long tail. Think swarm. Think massive group of hundreds of diseases that all need the same thing. And I'm telling you guys, I live this. I get a tweet or an email or a phone call every single week from someone who's just been diagnosed with whatever gene, ABC123, TRB1B, whatever it is this week. And it's the same story. My kid is one of X. X is too small. And they have a problem in this gene. And as a result, these therapies might work. And I need to figure out what to do. I, I, I Literally, I'm not exaggerating. Every week I have this call. 
it's a swarm. And I share a link in the sh show notes. I tried to visualize that swarm with a little, little word cloud. And you can see it. Um, look in the show notes. I think it's an important point. I think it's an important point to understand that there are not a hundred, but hundreds of, of, of these genetic diseases out there. And we're all moving ever faster. Right now, it's Syngap that's moving super fast. Syngap and STXBP1 because of this UPenn grant. See episode 92. And soon it'll be another gene you've never heard of racing to the front because someone has, has been able to put the pieces together. It's an incredibly exciting time. It's an incredibly exciting time. Um, so after the Beacon meeting, I left that meeting and I went, uh, I was in Orlando, Florida, uh, which is where AES is the end of this year. So if you might recall, we just had our fourth round table slash scientific conference. And that was in Nashville. And we basically follow AES around. Why do we follow AES around? Sorry, my cuckoo clock. Um, why do we follow AES around? Because neurologists are really hard to get to. So if you go to AES, all the neurologists are there and there's a slightly higher chance they might show up at your meeting. So this year, the, meet, the neurologists are going to be meeting in Orlando. So we're going to be meeting in Orlando. Let me look at my calendar. Um, mark your calendars right now. Our scientific meeting will be November 30th. Families are welcome. Our family meeting will be December 1st. Obviously, families are welcome. And then we're going to be in Orlando in December. Stay for a couple days. <clears throat> go to SeaWorld, hang out with other families. It's going to be amazing. Not too early to start planning this. So because I was in Orlando and because we're still working on hotel proposals, I went and I visited four hotels all afternoon. It was kind of like I went from like really complicated strategy conversations with Beacon to what's your food and beverage minimum? It was it was a big day. And um, But I was there and I walked around and I was thinking about, okay, our family's going to be happy here. Is this going to work? What if someone brings a kid? Is there going to be something for them to do? How is the pool? Kids love the pool. And we're not ready to announce which hotel we're going to go with yet, but I'm ho hopeful that we're going to go with one where I'm going to want to bring Tony and you're going to want to bring your kid and I really want families to come. I really want families to come because it's so good to be together. So that was my afternoon. Saw a bunch of hotels. And then, as if that wasn't enough, what did I do then? Then I went and I caught up with a family who's in Orlando. And um, wonderful time, wonderful time. Got to see mom, got to see uh, dad, got to see the Singapian and the siblings. And then mom made me dinners. Very good because I hadn't eaten all day. And then we went to, to the airport. But I was talking to mom. I said, you know, we miss you. Where have you been? She used to be very involved and she's less involved now. And she said, you know, it's sometimes it's just, I can't, I can't do it. She said, every time you talk about how our kids are going to get bigger and more complicated it just kind of overwhelms me and I have, I've had to step away and I said oh well I'm sorry I've said something that made you feel like you need to step away and I am I don't I, I don't say that lightly and I also think that we need to take care of our hearts right it, it's it's hard with these kids it's hard in this life it's hard looking at your baby seeing them grow up seeing them get bigger and more complicated because that's what's going on, guys. And worrying about their future, worrying about the elopements, worrying about what happens if, worrying about school, worrying about the latest ridiculousness with the IEP or whatever someone's doing, worrying about if they're ever going to be able to staff another RBT. I mean, there's so many things to worry about. And it's easy to get overwhelmed, but it's important to not give in to the fear. 
it's important to recognize that there's more to be hopeful about than to be afraid of. And I would have said this two weeks ago before the UPenn announcement. I would have pointed out that Stoke and Praxis and Regal are working on therapies for Syngap-1. I would have pointed out that Ben Prosser has already developed an ASO and Ionis is already working with him and that's public information. And I would have pointed out that, that Dr. Collar and Dr. Hugh and Do I can name so many names of people who are doing incredible science around Syngap-1. There were so many reasons for hope before UPenn announced a $25 million gift to work on STX-BP1 and Syngap-1. And now there is even more reason to believe that things will happen even faster because the dream team at Penn is just that. It's a dream team. But let's get back to hope and fear. So this mom was telling me that I had said something and every time I said it, it kind of triggered her and she just had to step back. And I, to the extent that it's 100% me, I'm sorry and I own it. But to the extent that it's simply fear about kids growing up and concern about the future, I want to recognize that that's 100% true. I go through that too. But you have, to, you have a choice. You can choose between wrapping yourself up in that fear and worrying and isolating yourself from this community of parents. Or you can say, yeah, this is hard, and you can come to the community and share it and find support and find community and face it. And that's a lot of work. But I urge you and I invite you to come to the incredible group of parents that we have at SRF and to share those fears with us. Because you don't want to be left alone with worry and fear and stress. It doesn't end well. It doesn't end well. We all should have a therapist. I have a therapist. Everyone should have a therapist. And I'm not just saying that because I'm Californian. We all should have a therapist. This is really hard. The stuff we go through, the emotions, the realities we have to deal with, it's overwhelming. And we should take this community of SRF as a blessing. Remember Heather. Remember that beautiful mom working at the bar, stressing out about her seven-year-old with autism, having no idea what's really going on. We are so far away from where she is because we know that our kids have Syngap-1. Bad news, we know what lies ahead. They're going to get bigger and more complicated. They're going to get stronger. The behaviors challenging. Good news, we know what meds work and we know what meds don't. Good news, SRF and, and our collaborators are working on small molecule repurposing. Good news, Stoke, Praxis, Regal, Penn. That's a lot of good news. I can literally tell you right now looking at the screen, I firmly believe there will be genetic therapies we can put in Tony and your kid in a few years. And I also believe, by the way, just to add another thing on to this podcast that's already too long, that the involvement of Penn is going to catalyze so much more industry attention because they now know that some of the brightest minds in rare genetics and academia are working on this gene. You don't want to be looking at a sick child like ours and not know what's going on. And you don't want to be part of the swarm of rare diseases worrying about if any serious academic is going to work on your gene. We are past both of those milestones. 
but despair and isolation can still get us. Don't let that happen. Come to this community. If you want to post on Facebook, post on Facebook. If you want to call the five families near you, call the five families near you. If you want to call me and yell at me about what I say, do that. But stay connected. Because this, there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work to do. And we're going to have a lot of choices to make. We're going to go from, there's no medicine for my kid, to which clinical trial do I enroll in? And that's going to happen fast. Not fast enough, but it's going to happen. And you're going to be like, wait, what? Now I have to choose? But in the meantime, we have to deal with grief. And I'll share, I'll share um, a tweet in the show notes about a, a really thoughtful and insightful article by a mom, Joe, from another rare disease group where um, grief got the better of one mom. That's not okay. We, gotta, we, we owe it to our, ourselves and our families to see this grief, look at it, and face it. But stay connected to this community. It is a gift, and we should use it well. Last point. In episode 92, go watch episode 92. I talked about this incredible gift at Penn that I've just blathered on about. Today is um, Monday. You're watching this. I'm recording it on Sunday. You can tell it's dark outside. But yesterday, Saturday, um, Dr. Prosser, who is now the director of END at the Epilepsy and Neurodevelopmental Disease Center at, at Penn slash CHOP, and Dr. Helbig, one of the best pediatric neurologists in America at CHOP, uh, gave a little webinar to the STXBP1 community, and it's great. And you should listen to that. They say STXBP1 a lot because it was organized by STX, and the majority of the audience was STX. But the truth is, almost everything, there's some puts and takes there, but don't worry about it. Almost everything they're going to do in this grant, they're going to do for STXBP1 and for Syngap1, right? So watch that. And, and, I, and I called Ben, and I was like, should we do this for Syngap1 too? And he was like, yeah, I, I will. Because Ben is an incredibly nice and generous man. He said, I got a lot going on. We can set up a department, set up a center, all these agreements. And I said, actually, you know what, Ben, you're right. We'll just watch the STX one. You go ahead and you lay the groundwork and put this people in place and start working your tail off to develop a cure for my kids. I'll just tell people to watch the STXBP1 YouTube. Um, and that's what I'm doing right now. Watch the STXBP1 conversation with Ingo and Ben. And when they say STXBP1, recognize that they also mean Syngap1. And, and pay attention that the, the lady running that is Charlene Sonrigsby. Charlene is the CEO of um, the STXBP1 organization. Um, I would be self-aggrandizing if I called her my peer. She's actually one of my mentors. She's really smart, really effective. She leads STXB1, STXBP1 beautifully. And um, I am so grateful to have her as a partner on this journey. So enjoy seeing Charlene in action. She's a, she's a class act. Get to know Ben and Ingo, Dr. Prosser and Dr. Helbig. They're incredible human beings. And just be grateful that that we have this and this is happening so fast and that ben as a dad is so committed to it and if you're like oh my gosh i'm so excited what can i do well there's one thing you can do sign up for citizen sign up for citizen um, getting that data available to researchers is a clear commitment to the community and to industry 
of how serious we as parents are about this disease and participating in therapies. So if you haven't signed up for Citizen, sign up for Citizen. If you have signed up for Citizen, log in app.citizen.com and update your records if you haven't done so recently. Thank you for listening. I know it's been a long episode, but obviously I had a lot to say. Have a great week. Happy International Epilepsy Day today, Monday, and happy Valentine's Day tomorrow, Tuesday.